Dawn of Mantis is brought to you by Redbeard Sound. Redbeard Sound provides music production, audio editing, and live sound engineering, and is where Dawn of Mantis records our podcast. You can find Sam's information on our website, dawnofmantis.com, or at redbeardsound.com. since the earth has circled the sun there have been fantastic tales of wonder and mystery that the faint of heart dare not discuss but two brave uninformed souls have the brass to tackle every extraordinary happenstance from the modern age to the dawn of mantis Welcome once again to Dawn of Mantis, a variety podcast. We're here with Joe, Sam, and my daughter, Hannah, and we're just kind of talking about some random stuff. What do we have, Joe? Randomness. Do you want to get right into it or have some randomness? I don't know. Do you got any rants, raves, uh, concerns, things that you want, anything anyone would like to get off their chest? Yeah, you know, do you guys, you know, want me to go? Go for it. I have this little nugget, this little beautiful nugget that the internet gave me a long time ago. I've been I was going to say, it, did it? come out after that seven second part <laughs> you're welcome for that podcast listeners by the way I th- yes i forgot that dropped last week like we, we should have tweeted guinness uh, surely the world oh. record has to be but i mean maybe it's like some, some kind of honorable mention maybe i don't know i found a guy on the internet oh mr methane did one that's like three minutes or something oh my god yeah but it's not i mean that's a whole different thing you know yeah that's a a song. Yeah. <laughs> it's a marathon. Okay, back to your nugget. My nugget. Okay, this is a beautiful thing. I, I bet not many people know about it. There is a channel on YouTube called The Uncharted Zone. And this has gifted me so many wonderful, wonderful things. It is 100% serious. A lot of people don't believe that it is. You read in the comments, everyone's like, is this serious? Are these guys serious? It's a serious. It, uh, it plays music videos. They make music videos. Um, You can look it up. The crown jewel, all right? Mm -hmm. The feather in the cap of the Uncharted Zone is a man named Mark Gormley. Okay. G-H-O-R-M-L-E-Y, I think. And this man is absolutely uh, a legend. I want to help his legacy. This video, he he released a few videos with the Uncharted Zone several years ago, 10 years ago. I'm seeing one right now. Don't play Little Wings. 12 years is uh, there's Without You. Let's do Without You. Okay. Um, now, there's kind of a long, it's before, when he sings is when it just really grabs you by the balls. So, and it, but it's like a little bit before he sings, you know, it's got kind of a long intro. Okay. So, uh, I don't want to bore the people at home too much. All right. You might kick into it like 30 seconds or something. Okay. Yeah. We'll try it out. All right. Let's try it. All right. It's intense. So far, so good. Yeah. His voice in no way matches his look. <laughs> he looks like every science teacher yes. you ever had. No offense. 
So I'm sitting next to the science teacher. <laughs> Could do a little better. <laughs> so I urge everyone to look up this video, or any by Bart Gormley. So it's wonderful because the video they make, so it's the Uncharted Zone with Phil Thomas Cat. Every single video starts out with the illustrious Phil Thomas Cat here. Or, or the next one will be like the space happy Phil Thomas Cat here. You know, the, the hopeful Phil Thomas Cat here with the Uncharted Zone. So uh, Forrest Spire says, if I were a boxer, this would be my entrance music. <laughs> credit, credit to him. Now, one more. Can we do one more? Sure. This is another gift from the Uncharted Zone. Okay. It's, it's a, by a band called Downtown Brown. Okay, I'll find it. And the song is called "There's a Poot in My Boot." <laughs> Man, it sounds awesome already. It's very it's serious. It's a good song, but yeah, it's the Uncharted Zone. It's this whole thing. It's this whole other world that's so bizarre, and I don't know where these people are from or or what reality they exist in. But it's, it's very interesting. I've been, I mean, for years, I've been going to the, anytime I'm bored, I go to the Uncharted Zone. You got Downtown Brown? Now, let's, let's listen to his intro, Phil Thomas Cat. From the album, Gravelton's yeah, Beach, here's Downtown Brown, and I got a poot in my boot. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> it's great, man. These guys are awesome. In the video, Sam is getting a treat. Ivan, uh, always save Beastie Boys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like it. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. It's catchy. We got to wait till the chorus, too. Yeah. They're very colorful characters. Walking around town with the poop. That's in my catchy. Boot. I got a boot in my boot. Yeah. You're welcome. What Whoa. does that mean, though? You know, it's it's like Kurt Cobain used to say. It's the it's you can determine the lyrics or I interpret feel, them as you want. Yeah, and I feel like I'm not cool just because I ask what it means. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. I just compared Downtown Brown to Nirvana. It's like, well, you know, it's like Kurt said. The lyrics mean what they mean to different people. With with Kurt, it was like you know, uh, you know, and then with them, it's uh, I've got a poot in my boot. I just yeah. love I love how Phil Thomas Cat is like with their video. I've got a poot in my boot. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's intense. It's great. Um, yeah, I'm gonna see if I can find that on Spotify. Yeah, you might be able to. I don't know. I don't know. But we have to credit them. Downtown Brown poot in my boot. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. All right. That way we thanks for that. Don't that's, get pulled. I mean, I feel like that's. That is a really cool thing if you're bored to go to that to go to that uh, channel. It's yeah. a channel, YouTube channel, right? Yeah, and every video is these whoever it's the artist <clears throat> standing in front of a green screen mm-hmm. that just has like it might just have the planets going by, and then next you're in a forest, and yeah. then they may pretend they're walking, and then like in the case of Mark Gormley, then it shoots to like there's a girl just looks like a random girl that maybe was working at Steak and Shake. And they yeah. were like, do you want to walk on a beach and make 20 bucks? And then she did. It's on Spotify. Oh, You're yeah. shitting See, there me. there we go. No. It's on Spotify. They have many albums. Oh, yeah. Down, Downtown Brown has actually been around forever. I don't know this, if they're together anymore. This was from 2010. Yeah. 
I wow. read a poot in my boot on um, Gravelton's Beach. That was the album. <laughs> Shout out to Downtown Brown. Yeah, and if anyone's out there and they thought they were super indie and, oh, I'm cool because I like indie music, I bet you didn't know about that. Yeah, you didn't know about Mark Gormley and Downtown Brown. Yeah, so yeah, you got some studying to do mm-hmm. before you can call yourself indie. I'm uh, Uncharted Zone. I'm plugging the Uncharted That's right. Zone. That's right. I like it. it. I, 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 yeah, I'm going to spend some time on it. Thank you for that. I appreciate yeah, that. Absolutely. Sir. You're welcome. That's awesome. That's awesome. We're doing a service here. I feel like it's our duty to bring those little uh, Easter eggs, those little beautiful things yeah. that you'd never otherwise ever sure. know. Hannah, are you a new fan of Mark Gormley? Um, oh, she didn't really get to hear I any of it. She didn't have headphones on. It, oh, it's not playing. Oh, I'm so sorry. But I'm definitely going to check out okay. the Uncharted Zone. Man, that whole time Hannah was just sitting there with a <laughs> smile on her face. You're such a trooper. <laughs> well, she was hurt. She was getting our reaction. That's my fault. Yes. I can run some headphones over there. No, I, well, it's up to you, Hannah. You want some headphones? She does, yeah, or else she wouldn't have paused. <laughs> All right, we're back, and Hannah has headphones, headphones now. Headphones, Hannah! All right. Didn't even know we were gone. I, it's, that was so funny, because her eyes lit up when you put them on her, and yeah. she's like, oh, because she's never had headphones on a podcast yeah. before. Yeah, I've the, never had headphones anywhere. Anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> she has never worn headphones in her life <laughs> until right now. It's wow. like she just got her sight for the first time. <laughs> yeah. ever. It's like surround sound. <laughs> it, it really is. is. All around you. <laughs> you. Like the thing before the movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that didn't probably. THX or whatever. Yeah, yeah, THX. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. I said, oh. Yeah. What? <laughs> that was ironic. I didn't even mean it. Our story tonight takes place in Australia. Got I. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so you can teach someone good eye, like an eye, mm-hmm. and then dust might. Yes. So good eye might. Yes. And that that's that's they can at least talk Australian a and little bit. I, here's the thing for uh, uh, Scottish. Anyone can say, say okay, I'll say the well oil beef hooked. Now just say that all together. Well oil beef hooked. Well oil beef hooked. <laughs> oh. You're speaking Scottish. <laughs> Do I have to? Do I have to edit that? I don't think pod? no, because I'm saying well, oil beef hooked. Okay. I don't know. That's is that if you dare. You son of a no. Okay. <laughs> oh, that's like the sofa king you always used to say because their prices were sofa king. Oh sofa, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sofa yeah. king. Sofa king low. Golly, yeah. Just, uh, yeah. We might have to bleep that out or something. It just <laughs> we're gonna lose three minutes of podcast because. <laughs> All right. Okay, it's fine. Ready. Sure. <laughs> Go. To think, hey, you know what? Tonight's episode brought to you by Canada Dry. Canada Dry ginger um, ale. Me and I unofficially. Yeah. Sure. Yep. Yeah. Unofficially, of course. Until they pony up. Well, but we're gonna say it every time until they do. <laughs> do you have any blackberry left? Mm-hmm. I don't need it now, but just for later. We're gonna be here in a while. So. I have. A, I have like a few. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm get. I'm getting. I'm getting low on that. You know, oh, the seasonal stuff. Oh yeah. It's kind of making me sad. We need, that, we need that sponsorship you know, they so they do. can send me some more of the seasonal cranberry and blackberry throughout the year. That's not just, it. So I don't have to just buy it at a large big box club um, <laughs> yeah. that sells in bulk only. Isn't, in it, called, the, isn't it called Bill's Club? I yeah, can't remember. It's that like has the same name as, as I do. Um, <laughs> oh, Duncan Club. Yeah, yes, that's right. <laughs> that only carries it in like November and December. I don't want to say Maybe into January. But they could just send us product. I mean, and exactly. That's what I'm drive. saying. Hey, you know what? Send some coupons. Mm-hmm. I'm thirsty. And I like drinking Canada Dry while we podcast. 
that that chip better get here on Monday because we're recording on Tuesday. <laughs> just in case it's just going to show up. <laughs> just in case someone's about to. Just in up. case we get a case oh, yes, of ice cold. We're very punny tonight. Um, yes. Me and Joe like Blackberry. Mm-hmm. Um, me and Ivan like. Original. Original. Yep. I even got the commercial. Just listen. Think about like it shows a road, a dirt road in summer and there's butterflies. We need to play that commercial. We do. And you hear me say, when I was a youngster, I remember my grandma picking blackberries from the bush across the road and making blackberry jam. And the only thing that tastes close enough to that that reminded me of it is Canada Dry Blackberry Ginger Ale. Tastes like grandma used to make. See? Yep. So, all right. Wish she wouldn't have left my grandpa. <laughs> I don't know why. But tonight we're going across the pond to Australia, and we're going to cover the Wanda Beach murders. All right. It was a windy afternoon on Monday, January 11th, 1965, in the coastal city of Cronulla, a suburb of Sydney, Australia. Two 15-year-old friends, Marianne Schmidt and Christine Sherrick, along with four of Marianne's younger siblings, were visiting a place called Wanda Beach. At some point, the girls told the siblings to stay put and that they'd return shortly, but they never did. In fact, that would be the last time the children would see the girls alive. The next day, their battered and mutilated bodies were found partially buried in the sand near where they had vanished. And thus was born the case of the Wanda Beach murders. Whoa. All right. This is uh, kind of, we did a Somerton Man, which is on, uh, what what beach was that? That was... Uh, I know Australia is huge, but... I know, but I wish... Uh, yeah. Well, Somerton, it was in near Somerton. Yeah. But I don't remember the name of the beach. Maybe, Maybe Somerton Beach. I don't know. I don't. Adelaide was the city. Oh yeah, it was in Adelaide, and I think it was Somerton Beach. Yeah, and that's a good episode. Uh, probably fifty episodes ago or so. It was way back. Yeah. Um, here's another. Here's a little foreshadowing too. There's another Australian case. Once we're done with this one, that we're gonna do. So okay, yeah. great. Well, I like I, it. Yeah. While I was in Australia via the internet, okay, doing research, I found another one. But anyway, you can go anywhere. Okay. So was it the the Tamam Shud case? Yep. That's what you covered? That's the little okay. piece of paper he had in his pocket that, yeah. that had that and the, the weird cryptic uh, poem and all. Yeah, it's that different. Okay. I, just, I just typed in Summerton Beach and that's that's the first thing that came up was that case. Summerton Man, yeah. Two-parter? It was yeah, a two-parter. Yeah, it was a two-parter, yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Don't go deep dive that one sometime. Yeah, Dawn of Mantis, Summerton Man. Lance, go get it. Go get it, Lance. <laughs> we're, we're glad you're here, buddy. Well, Marianne Schmidt had lived in Australia since her family had immigrated there from Germany in September 1958 when she was just eight years old. She and her parents, Helmut and Elizabeth, and her five siblings lived in a hostel for a short time before moving to Tamora, a small town roughly 260 miles inland from Sydney. In 1963, the Schmidt family, with the recent addition of yet another sibling, relocated again, this time to West Ride, another suburb of Sydney, after Helmut had contracted... Uh, Hodgkin's disease. Helmet is such a weird name. Unfortunately, though, Marion's father passed away in June of the next year. I believe Helmet's German. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it would be. I mean, we're pretty far removed from Germany, though, because we, my ancestors came over in like 1700s. Yeah. So it was, uh, it's kind of nice because, you know, Germany did some bad crap. I don't know if you're history buff, <laughs> but after we left. That yes, my my ancestors are in that sweet spot as well, where they yeah. they left uh, after uh, they left before the bad stuff in Germany mm-hmm. and after slavery in America. So they're just like skipped right between those two. Oh, yeah. uh, they we you got nothing on us. They're yeah, just right, they slid right through there. There you go. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I always kind of wonder if my ancestors were kind of looked at like here, like you know, you know, your German ancestry. I bet you believe in 
what Hitler believes or something. I'd, I've wondered what that dynamic locally. Of course, there's no way to really find that and verify it. As far as, from what I've heard, Germany is like really laid back now. And yeah, like, oh yeah. they're probably so goddamn tired oh, of, of hearing like, yeah, that was 70 years ago. You know, like it wasn't us is probably what they're thinking. Sure. It's like, we didn't do that. Sure. Our country now doesn't represent the country then, you know, but mm-hmm. that's forever. That's anytime. Yeah. That's just going to be forever for them, unfortunately. Oh yeah, it is. It yeah. is. Helmut derived from the Germanic element helm, helmet or hail, healthy combined with moot spirit mind oh yeah there you go cool nice you nailed it good job good job buddy all right so uh it would just so happen that uh i did the lips it's fine mary's next door neighbor at her home in west ride was a girl her same age named christine sherrick christine's father had also passed away back in 1953 and the girls formed an immediate bond after her father died christine's mother had remarried and moved to seven hills another sydney suburb but apparently the arrangement was not ideal for Christine, who asked if she could move in with her grandparents, Jim and Jeanette Tag. So what that probably meant is the stepdad was probably an asshole. That's what I'm just guessing. If the stepdaughter was like, or, you know, she, yeah. she wanted out of there. So. Yeah. That I was, imagine that's they, probably. Yeah. They put it a nicer way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Probably. The conditions weren't ideal. <laughs> yeah. Well, it could be fighting and she doesn't want to be around the fighting. Couldn't be anything like directly involving her, you know. Right, right, right. Yeah. Well, Marianne's mother, Elizabeth, now a widow, struggled to provide for her seven children. Few people in the neighborhood took the time to help or even get to know the poor young mother with the gang of kids. But Elizabeth was happy to see Marianne connect with someone. She and Christine became fast friends and spent the next several years staying at each other's houses and hanging out at every opportunity. When they got a little older, they'd head to the beach at every opportunity as well. It was the mid-60s and the girls were deep into surf culture, the music, the beaches, and, as they'd confide in their diaries, the boys. Yes, although both girls were pretty shy and reserved, they each made numerous entries in their diaries about the cute surfer boys down at the beach. Marianne often took her siblings there, with and without Christine, but it's not totally clear whether or not she was being a loving big sister or just finding excuses to go down to the beach to talk to boys. More than likely, it was a combination of both. Sure. Yeah, that makes the most sense. So let's get into the day of the disappearance. All right. Good setup. It was the morning of January 11th, 1965. Just a few days prior, Elizabeth had went to hospital for a surgical procedure and left the children in Marianne's care. Perhaps because of this, the girls, along with some of the younger Schmidt children, had been making frequent trips to the beach, and this day was no different. The group left shortly before 8.30 that morning, taking the train from West Ride to Redfern at the edge of the city center, where they boarded an adjoining train to Cronulla. Marianne's younger sister, Trixie, said the girl spoke to a boy who looked their same age while on the train to Redfern, but he parted ways once they arrived. He was never identified and is not known whether he was connected to the crime or not. And that'll be a theme in this story. All right. The group arrived in Cronulla around 11 a.m. and walked down to the beach. Marianne was carrying a beach bag that contained towels, sandwiches, and some drinks for the kids. Christine was also carrying a beach bag that contained a towel, a thermos, a pair of sunglasses, a transistor radio, and a purse that contained a one-pound note. For the next few hours, all was well. The children played on the beach, listened to music, and eventually ate their lunches. At some point, seven-year-old Wolfgang Schmidt, which is even a more German name than uh, uh, Helmut or Ivan, I submit, (laughs) Wolfgang, uh, Wolfgang Schmidt, that's the most German name ever, Noticed the girls talking to a boy down by the rocks. He was shirtless, carried a large knife on a holster, and was holding a long spear. 
He appeared to have been hunting the crabs that hid in the rock crevices before stopping to talk with the girls. That kid will be the face of the whole investigation forever. Oh, okay. This thing like is crucial. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's still unsolved. Yeah. So, And I'm guessing if the kid is the key, that's probably, you know, that's kind of unsettling, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's Because uh, it's like, this is the best we have. Yeah. And it ain't much. How old was he? He just looked their age. That's all anyone knows. He yeah. looked their age. Yeah. Wow. It's so bizarre. Um, well, not long after this, the girls announced to the children, and I want to, after I read this part, I have my own theory, but Will, I want to get your guys' take on it. Uh, the girls announced to the children that they want to take a walk down to Wanda Beach, which was less populated and covered in large sand hills. Now, Wanda Beach wasn't just right next door. It was about a 15 or 20 minute walk from the beach at Cronulla. The group arrived at Wanda Beach close to one in the afternoon, but after walking about 400 meters past the surf club building, the younger Schmidt children asked if they could stop, complaining that they were tired and that the winds were too heavy. Marianne and Christine obliged and walked the children up to take shelter behind a tall sand hill. There, they told the children to stay put while they went back to Cronulla Beach to collect the beach bags they'd left there and that they would be back shortly. Christine handed the kids her radio to help keep them busy, and the two girls walked away. However, for reasons still not known to this day, instead of heading back south towards Cronulla, the girls continued walking north up Wanda Beach and deeper into the sandhills. When younger brother Peter yelled to Marianne that she and her friend were going the wrong way, they simply giggled at each other and at him and continued walking. It would be the last time the children saw their eldest sister and her friend alive. As the girls walked into the sandhills, a local man named Dennis Dostin and his son were walking down the beach nearby. He noticed the girls walking and later told police that they appeared to be in a hurry and it looked like one of them kept glancing back over her shoulder as they went. He observed them only for a few moments, though, and went about his walk, making him, other than the killer, the last person to see the girls alive. Wow. So, I'm just curious, with what we know so far, why... This is a question everyone's asking about this. What what, what was their deal? It it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense that they walked all the way down to Wanda Beach and then just told the kids to stay put and that they were going to walk all the way back to Cronulla, get their bags, and then come all the way back. None of that makes sense. Because then even if they would have done that and came back with their bags and got the kids, they got to walk back a fourth time to Cronulla to catch the damn train. I just wonder if they met somebody and they set up some kind of side deal like, hey, we're going to you know, leave the kids aside for just a little bit and do this, whatever, whatever it was. Bingo. Yeah. And then that would make kind of sense that they'd go the wrong way. Yes. Um, a hundred percent with you. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it could have been anyone they talked to or someone you haven't mentioned yet. That's what I, that's what I get from it. Well, the boy on the beach is it. Like there is yeah. no other, and I'm with you and I'm just like, I, you know, we're only partway through the story, but I fully believe that was a cute boy, you know, that maybe said, let's meet up on whatever beach at whatever mm-hmm. time. And then that's why the girls all of a sudden are like, hey, let's walk 20 mile, or t- yeah. miles, 20 minutes, uh, you know, upwind into the wind, into the sand hills, which right. was, they, that sure. was, that was more of a. Because they didn't even head in the direction to get their bags. No. Anyways. Yeah. No. So I think that was just like, let's get rid of the kids for a little bit 
and I'm not saying that they were responsible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not saying that they were going to meet some boys and like do drugs and have sex on the beach. I'm just, they probably just wanted just, to. Yeah. Probably hang out and talk. Yes. Um, but I mean, I think the kids would have been probably with them had they not wanted to stop because of the wind or whatever. Maybe, maybe you're right. So they probably thought, well, we'll run up and talk to them really fast and then we'll bring them back with this or whatever. I don't know. I don't know. That was something I didn't think of. You're right. It was the kids who wanted to stop. Otherwise, they just would have kept on with yeah. the girls. You know, that would have saved their lives. I doubt that someone would have tried to kill six people, the, you yeah. know, the, the girls and all the kids. You can't. Mm. Someone's going to get away. Sure. Right? It's true. Yeah. Or maybe it would have delayed that if they, you know, maybe you would have found another time. Yeah. But if he finds another time, is it a worse time for him and he's caught, you know? Exactly. So, yeah, it would have changed everything probably. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm once definitely the, intrigued. Oh, it, it gets better. Once uh, the girls were out of sight, there was nothing more to do than wait for the kids. And that's what they did. They waited and waited and waited. In fact, the kids waited four hours before finally deciding to try to head back home themselves. Now, some have scolded the parents and grandparents of the children for allowing them to travel to the beach, chaperoned only by a pair of 15-year-olds. But you have to keep in mind that this was the 60s and the sunny surfside paradise that was Sydney, Australia. It was a different place and time. Having said that, I'm sure it was still a daunting task for the remaining children, all well under 15, to get back home. I'm going to stop there for a minute, too, because forget the 60s, the 80s. I've told this before, on, but it's been quite a while back. Man, we lived in kind of the middle of nowhere when I was a kid, Cincinnati, Arkansas. It is like population 19 or something. <laughs> There's nothing there. <laughs> yeah. There was nothing oh, yeah. there before. And then that's in the tourist season though. I think. <laughs> there was nothing there when I was a kid. And then a tornado. Remember that tornado yeah, that came through New Year's a, night? Yeah, a few years back. Yeah. Right? It decimated half of what was there. Right. So now there's really nothing there. But having said that, um, from our house, the only thing that was there was uh an old like What's the AG building or like it was an old community building or something? I remember that. Yeah. On the left. Just driving by. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Driving through is just kind of right off the road. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then across from that was this little, not gas station because it didn't have gas, but it was just a little store called the Cincinnati Mall. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And when I was a yes. kid, I remember, remember that? that? Yep. It was there forever. Yeah. For still ever. there. It's still there. Yeah. yeah. It's like a thrift but, shop now or something. Yeah. But I don't think it's open. Oh, really? I think I don't think it ever opens. Well, from, from my house to the Cincinnati Mall was probably a mile, mile and a half. And we moved away from there when I was like eight or nine. So I was probably seven, six or seven. And this is no exaggeration. And, you know, during the summer, dad would just give me a couple dollars and I would get on my bike and ride, you know, all the way down. You would hit the highway, turn right on the highway and then ride another quarter mile, you know. And then I would go to the Cincinnati Mall and I would buy a Dr. Pepper and a bag of peanuts or whatever. And then I went to uh, church. Uh, what's it called? Uh, vacation Bible School. Mm. That that nightmare. I went to that a few years <laughs> when I lived there. And my parents just let me ride my bike down there. And it was like a couple miles of just dirt road, lonely dirt road. Nothing on, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, it's just bizarre that I... That I'm alive. I mean, not we're, forget the van that I got into <laughs> yes. and rode around. <laughs> Go back a few episodes and listen to that story. Oh, no. Let me tell you this. There was a guy, I've told this on the podcast before, so I'll just do a really short, short version of it. Okay. There was a kid that lived about a couple miles past me that uh, 
picked me up one day. I was home alone because I guess my parents were doing something. I don't remember. You were just home alone. I was a lot home in the alone. 80s, I remember that. Yeah, I you was were. too. Seven or eight years old. I'm jumping on the trampoline in our front yard. This kid pulls up on his four wheeler. I didn't know him that well, but I'd seen him on the school bus. He's like, "You want to take a ride on the four wheeler?" And I was like, "That sounds like fun." So I get on the back. <laughs> he drives like a quarter mile down the road, stops, kicks me off, and just beats the shit out of me. He just kicks the shit out of me like 20 times, right? How old were you? I was six, seven, eight. Oh my God. And he was probably 14, 13. Yeah. He drives away. You know, so I walk back home. I'm all crying and, and beat up, beat yeah. up and stuff. Well, uh, that anyway. Um, he probably just didn't like gingers. No, he ended up murdering somebody. Few do. Yeah. Yeah. Years later, he ended up murdering. I think it was his grandmother. Oh my. Yeah. So I don't even know if he's in jail still. Like, I don't even know if I want to tell that story again, but I haven't said anybody's name. So. Right. No, you're good. Yeah. I did say the the town though, which is the only well, one. Hey, um, <laughs> and going back to the tornado, I just looked it up. That was 10 years ago. That yeah, was in 2010 that that tornado, ha- it did not yeah. seem like it's been that it long. It's been a while. Yeah. yeah I, I remember it happening. Yeah. I do. I know a guy, uh, a guy pretty rough around the edges that um, was in that tornado. And his story is this. And it, and I asked one of the firefighters about it later, and he said, yeah, it's true. He was in his house, and he had gotten a fight with his wife, and the wife and kid left, and he fell asleep drunk in his underwear, like, <laughs> on the bed. Woke up across the road in, like, a pile of rubble. Are you serious? And he's like, I was so confused, I just started running down the road. <laughs> and, like, emergency vehicles are, like, passing him. And he was just, like, running down the road in his underwear. <laughs> I didn't know what to do, and I thought, and he said he he said he stopped, and he was like, "Oh, I better go back and see if they're walking back." And then he got triaged or whatever. But I don't know. This is kind of funny. There was one one guy was milking his cows. Did you see his interview on the news? Yeah, he got sucked up into the air out of his milk barn and like dropped a hundred yards over in the field. He was just, I was milking my cows, and the next thing I know, my feet are off the ground. It was bananas. It was such a crazy yeah, tornado. That, yeah, and, there, and a more somber thing is there was a um, a dad and a son in the milk barn, and uh, it came through, and the, the dad pushed the son down into the pit to where, oh. and cinder blocks killed the dad. Like, oh, the dad was, dude. like, in, in his 80s or maybe even 90s. But, I mean, yeah, he pushed them down in the pit where I guess the, the cattle are or yeah. Something, something. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Anyway, and saved his life and sacrificed himself for it. My my childhood home that I grew up in, you know, where I lived when I was telling the stories just earlier, uh, that got half torn down. Yeah. There was like a huge pile of round bells by it in the field, and several got picked up and just thrown into the house. Oh, wow. Like where the living room and my parents' bedroom were, were just caved in. Oh, it's crazy. Dang. Yeah. Crazy times. Crazy. Yeah, but yeah. that all came from me just saying, kids just ran amok in the 80s oh i did too i mean i stayed home like my parents would go to church and they they i got to an age where they'd let me not go and stay by myself and i was probably like eight or Mm -hmm. seven just staying home by myself i mean that was freaky sometimes yeah Yeah. out in the country isn't that weird just as a different world and i'd ride my bike to neighboring towns and yeah you told me you used to ride your bike literally like Five ten miles with a pocket full of quarters to play at the arcade. Street Fighter Two, yeah, or maybe not even Street Fighter Two, but something. Yeah, I'd, I'd do that. Yeah. Didn't you say that one time you had like rode like so many miles to your buddy's house and you got there and he wasn't home? Oh yeah, oh, yeah. he wasn't home. <laughs> but you know what? Like now, now I'd be 
pissed if I drove five minutes and somebody wasn't home. But I don't ever remember being mad that he wasn't home. I was just like, oh, well, I guess I'll go back home now. <laughs> I guess I'll go back home now. If I ride really fast, I won't miss Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. So, I don't know. Yeah. Oh, man. It I mean, was... I feel like even in the early 2000s, I mean, I was still like, if I was homesick from school in 2009, I was like walking down to the gas station and buying food like i no, my i would never trust any of my siblings to do that ever now <laughs> yeah it's it's changed a lot in just a small amount of time i think oh yeah I mean, yeah i don't know i don't know if there's more evil people or it's it's the the internet makes us not trust things as much i don't know it's 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 different now though definitely a different mm-hmm. temperature i think most people are good i do too but i think it's what you said i think it's so more, much more publicized. Than That's, I think so. Also, you know, we have social media now, and we have mm-hmm. so many outlets to just everything being more public. Sure, that it could have been this way forever. Yeah, and we just didn't know about it because you had what newspaper and and nightly news, and that was about it. Mm-hmm. That's right. A lot yeah. less, a lot less resources. Yeah. like coming at you just instantly. Well, now you so. can type in your address, in, and it'll tell you how many sex offenders live within a 10-mile radius of you. Yeah. I mean, that's like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, you didn't know that one when right. we were kids, or we wouldn't probably be staying home by ourselves. Sure. My old house that I just moved from where I lived for nine years? Yeah. I don't know if it's still that way, but most of the time I lived there, it had a sex offender dot on it because of the guy who lived there before me. Oh man, you didn't tell me that. Yeah, I found it and I asked my my boss was my neighbor and I was like, "What is this?" And he said, "Oh, let me tell you about the guy that lived there before you and and he has a record like as long as my arm, I guess, with sexual offenses." But I was like, "I don't want this on my house anymore." I wonder how many people drove past your house that that were aware and they saw you out in the yard and you, they were like, that "Son of a <laughs> Look at that. He's one of those dirty gingers too." <laughs> Yeah, I bet you get your sick kicks. Yeah. Him and his stupid beard. <laughs> what if he just had a mustache and that was it? Just well, a- you did at one time for just a little bit. Oh, man, I shaved everything off but a mustache. The, the other day, it was probably six months ago, walked into the kitchen where my family was, and every one of them was just like, shave it now, or yeah. we will call the police. My daughter's <laughs> like, you look like a pedophile. And I was like, Jesus Christ, it's just a mustache. <laughs> But yeah. Not everyone that has one is a pedophile, but every pedophile has one. <laughs> That's the way that works. <laughs> it's some kind of weird logic thing. Oh my god. It just gosh. works out that way. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Oh yeah. Well, I think we've rabbit trailed long enough there. There we go. Back to the beach. Back to the beach. So yeah, the, the girls have, have left. They don't know, the kids don't know where they are. They've been going for hours. And now these little kids are like, we have to, you know, do a, a Lord of the Rings, you know, epic journey for back real? home. Wow. So this trip consisted of a, you know, the long walk back to Canola. That's where they connect, uh, connected, collected Marianne's and Christine's bags before catching the last train, 17 miles back to Redfern, where they took another train. So like, hold on a second. Yeah. So they had the bags with them. Yeah, they went back. When they were on the train. Yeah. Got off the train, set the bags down. Yes. And then took off walking? Yeah. Don't know why. That's what it said. It said they kind of stashed the bags in in between some rocks. I guess they just didn't want to carry them up to Wanda Beach. I don't know. (laughs) But then they went back. But That's what I'm saying. Yeah, it's so weird. It doesn't make... Yeah, because they... 
Hannah, were you going to say something? I was going to say maybe they were planning on like changing at the train station, you know, oh, okay. like you're at the beach. Like, sure. I don't know. I've like, you, you know, you get sandy down there. If there's not like okay. an outdoor shower, this is like the 60s. Then maybe they were like planning on changing at the train station okay. and leaving all their sandy clothes in the bag. And okay. Stuff. Yeah. I'm sorry if you read that okay. earlier and I just missed all that. But no, I mean, I just it's weird. I didn't put in the fact that that, you know, once they left Cronulla. They kind of stash the bags, hmm. and they're like, "Let's yeah. let's walk to on the beach." Sure, maybe lighten the load or something. But they're it was so weird because they already walked there. You stay here. We're gonna go back and get those bags that we just stashed, and then so that's yeah. two trips, and then we're gonna come yeah. back for you kids three trips, and then we have to go back to Canola to get that's four trips. Yeah, N- none of it makes sense. Nope. Okay. Yeah, it doesn't. But but if if they were like smitten by some right, and they're also boy. fifteen. So. Yeah. Yep. So uh, that's. That that's a um, some clues within itself, really. Yeah, fifteen. I'm look not knocking any teenagers if we have any teenage listeners, but your brain's not done cooking no. yet. <laughs> it's just not. And I have we all have, oh, except for Hannah, of course, who's <laughs> barely past being a teenager. But the rest of us have teenage kids and daughters, and sometimes you're just like, I, how do you make it through the day when you're out of this house at school. Like my, my daughter has got out of the car at Walmart and just walked away with the door open. Ding, 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 ding. ding. Like, uh, uh, honey, what? what? <laughs> you didn't shut the car door. Oh, oh, and then she'll come. I'm like, how, you know, and she'll even say like, I don't know. I just, <laughs> well, so <laughs> at work, sometimes we read, um, journal articles about, um, developing brains and one thing i remember reading one time was that you could do a brain scan of, of teens and preteens and they resemble some areas of the brain resemble alzheimer's patients because <laughs> and, and all us teachers are like oh yeah, yeah. We i was get gonna that. say resemble heavy drug use <laughs> but it's because it's the science behind it is your body is used is utilizing other resources and like mental resources or brain resources because you're developing and puberty and things like that so it's like zapping that away yeah so that's why you're so scattered and they're so scattered and and you they just forget something and you're thinking oh that's that sounds like grandpa yeah yes i mean is that they've got a similar brain pattern in some areas yeah i do want to clarify in case my daughter ever listens to this she's a very bright girl she makes very good grades she's a smart girl she's she's an algebra like she's she's in uh, like at the top of her class all that stuff you know she's a very bright girl yeah but sometimes Hannah, I don't know. What's my quote about you? What have I said? Oh, that I'm the smartest dumb kid out there. <laughs> and, then, and then I usually say, then I then I say, or the dumbest smart kid. Yeah, it's one of those, or both of those, or, or I don't I'm know. Pretty sure I've said that about my son. Yeah, so. <laughs> exactly. It's like it's like you're you're. You know, literature skills and reading skills are off the charts. Right. But hey, close the bread. It's yeah. it's stale. Well, you're right. I'm just past teenage years, and I'm like, what the hell were you doing back there? Just a few miles back. Oh yeah. What were you thinking? Yeah. <laughs> brain cell. I think 25 should be the legal drinking age. Well, I, that I think it should be too. Isn't that when your brain is done developing? Is 25? It's fully? curbing. It's curbing off there. Frontal lobe. I mean, yeah. from what I from what I remember reading and seeing, yeah, I think it's kind of curbing off. It's there. crazy. Yeah. All right. All right. So, yeah, they, get, they catch a train 17 miles to Redfern. That's where they got to hop another train that's 10 miles back to West Ride, where they live. 
Thankfully, though, the children had made the trip many times with Marianne and were able to get back, arriving home around 8 p.m. Once there, they immediately told Christine's grandparents that Marianne and Christine were missing. They, in turn, phoned the police, who set about beginning the inquiry on what possibly happened to the girls. The question as to where the girls were would be answered within 24 hours, but not the answer anyone hoped for. The day after they vanished, a man named Peter Smith was walking through the sand hills with two of his nephews when one of the boys pointed out that someone had buried a mannequin on the beach. They always think it's a mannequin. I've seen so many interviews where it's like, oh, I was fishing and I thought a mannequin floated by. It's never a mannequin. No, not not like free mannequin. No, sorry. <laughs> free. We got a free mannequin once, Karen. We, we did. We she had did. two left arms. Two left arms. Yeah, we took we we strapped her to the back of my Jeep with the the top off. Her top was on, but then we went to uh, <laughs> we took her to Sonic, and it was so funny that they would all the all the pe- kids would come out and take pictures and stuff. Karen, two yeah. left arms. Yeah, and she had like a surprised look on her face. Yeah, well, we had a lot of we had a lot of fun with that mannequin. I'd be surprised if I had two left arms. <laughs> Heard of two left feet, but two left arms. Times were so weird. We would hang out with this mannequin in my in my shop and drink, and sometimes we would just be like, "Let's change Karen's outfit." And so we just put okay. her in something else. I'd go in and steal one of my wife's dresses and put it on the mannequin, and then we'd put it in the jeep and go to town. I remember one time when I went over there. One time I showed up and she's naked, and and I was like, "Joe, I thought we'd." Put some clothes on her the other night. She's like, yeah, my wife, she got mad that I, <laughs> she said this was her good clothes or whatever. Where's my floral dress? Uh, it's on Karen. <laughs> it's not a goddamn mannequin. <laughs> yeah, so. Let me go get it. Hold on. Hang on. And then, so anyway. Yeah, so she, whatever happened to Karen? We threw her in the dumpster. We threw her in a dumpster. <laughs> we, 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 easy come, easy go, I guess. But, but yeah, we put her back where we found her. Uh, I don't know why we threw her away. Uh, it's when I got my divorce. Oh, yeah. And I threw everything away. Yeah. I threw everything away, <laughs> including Karen. A lot of yeah. stuff was sacrificed during that. <laughs> Clean slate. Yep. All right. So, yeah, uh, the, the man and nephews are walking. They think that they see a mannequin on the beach. Peter led the boys to the object, but after brushing some of the sand away from the head, realized with horror that they just discovered a body. He quickly pulled the boys away from the scene and rushed to the nearest building, the Wanda Beach Surf Club, where he found lifeguard Barry Ezzy. According to an interview I found with Ezzy, Smith came running up to him, carrying one of his nephews under each arm and yelling, there's a body on the beach. So obviously, Ezzy promptly phoned the police and the investigation began. All right. One of the first to arrive at the scene, along with the police, was Jeff Jessup, a photographer for a newspaper called The Daily Telegraph. Most apparent was the head and partial shoulder of a girl face down in the sand. But as if the scene weren't tragic enough, one of the officers soon noticed that apart from a barely visible set of feet, there was a third foot peeking through the sand. They'd found a three-footed girl. No, I'm just kidding. That wasn't probably the best place to... There... (laughs) Have you no shame? We found a centaur, we have! That doesn't make sense because it would be hooves. Uh, anyway, let's get back on task. <laughs> no, I swear to God, when I was reading my dumbass brain, when I was doing the research for this, and I was like, they found a third foot. I was like, they found a three-footed girl? That's got to be like one in a million, like, just for a second. But no. <laughs> we're, we're laughing 
because it's a defense mechanism. We're really sad about this. Well, of course. Yeah, and we're just we laughter all, is a defense mechanism. If yes. I had to dip into our psychosis a little bit. <laughs> no, we all have daughters about this age. It's oh not. It, 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 I would. Well, there went all the laughter. Well, <laughs> well, just well, in case someone was like it. flipping off their iPhone. No, it's these guys. They got no cooth. It is horrible. Yeah, oh, no, no. Obviously, if anything happened to any of our daughters, sure. and Ivan's oh, is yeah. in the room. Like I wouldn't even want to be alive anymore. You know what I mean? So I yes, it's it's not funny, but sometimes tragic situations can be helped with humor. Yes, <laughs> yes, it can. And we're the best at it. <laughs> we are good. Yeah, not to toot our own horn. So there were two bodies. Just to be, you know, the third foot belonged to a, a different body. Recalling the missing persons report of Marianne and Christine, just hours earlier, the officers shared a despairing glance. They just found the missing girls from West Ride. A visit with the Schmidt children and Christine's grandmother confirmed their suspicions. So the murder scene was as follows. And this is from the report that I found. Marianne was lying on her right side with her left leg bent. Christine was face down with her head resting against Marianne's left foot. Each girl had scratch marks on their face. Leading to the scene were drag marks from nearly 40 yards away and left traces of blood in the sand and on the random sprigs of gas, gas, grass protruding through the sand. This led investigators to theorize that Marianne had been killed first, after which the attacker had to chase down Christine, incapacitate her, and then drag her back to the scene. There were also larger spots of blood sporadically along the drag marks, suggesting the killer had stopped a few times to rest. And if it was this boy, someone about their age, you know, that would make sense. Yeah. A grown-ass man may not have to rest dragging a... You know what I mean? That's sure. Creepy if thing. he was similar to the same weight as mm-hmm. them. Yes. Yeah. That's... I'm, science. That's what I'm... Anyway, we'll, we'll get to that. Um, there was evidence of sexual assault because Marianne's black one-piece bathing suit had been hacked open at the bottom and rolled up and over her breasts. And Christine's white shorts also appeared to have been tampered with. There were also traces of semen found at the scene, making it almost certain that the crime had been sexually motivated. Tons of the nearby sand was sifted and searched, but no murder weapons or other useful evidence was found. One bloody knife was located, but uh, the blood didn't match any of them, so it was something else. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) Wrong murder weapon. Isn't that weird? So, anyway. Coincidentally, there was a bloody knife laying near it's, I just thought that was really weird. But, you know, it's like, that's 65. I mean, I mean today, that might have, you know, with DNA. They could have tied it to maybe something else. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a forensics and everything. Or they could have used 23andMe to, mm. to you know, find that guy. Because, like, one of his relatives, and I mean, it could have been his blood or something. Yeah. Yeah, like, could it have been the killer's blood and they just didn't have anything to go off of, so they don't know? I don't know because we. This is gross, but we've talked about it before. In almost every stabbing case, right? You stab, yeah. Your hand gets bloody. Oh, it's. I yeah. never really thought about it, but almost every person that has stabbed someone to death, you get cut along yeah. with sure. them because your hand slips down on the blade every time. So yeah, uh, they should have kept the damn knife. Yeah, because if you're going, you know, it's it's incredibly difficult to stab through a body you know they proved it on cadavers and and pigs and stuff 
you always hit like a bone or something and it twists or whatever and and your hand slides slides like you said on the blade yeah and that's why they that's uh, the innocence project has kind of lived on that they've been able to find the real killers by you know by that type of thing because they always find another dna that that doesn't match the person that they they're trying to mm-hmm. um say did it you know so yeah it's really interesting and that's also kind of lucky that that happens because it helps solve some of those cases yeah and <clears throat> i don't know how how comparable is is like human skin to just like a dog's i think it'd be pretty common wouldn't it well i mean i know they always do pigs yeah okay, maybe pigs are closer yeah. Yeah, I only bring that up because many, many, many years ago, I had this dog. Remember Jake? Mm, yeah. He had got into a fight with something. You probably remember this. This was in the Karen days when we were drinking in the shop. He comes up, just bit up all to hell. And in his tummy is just a huge bite and just a tear. Like you can see in deep inside his his stomach. It was gross. Wow. Yeah, so he comes lipping up. And uh, I knew I was friends with the ambulance people, the EMTs and stuff. So I called one of them and I said, do you have anything I can knock this dog out with? And do you have anything I can sew him up with? You yeah. know, cause I, I didn't, I couldn't go to a vet or didn't know a vet or whatever. Sure. They actually came by and uh, yeah, they, they gave me a shot and they said, legally we can't, but we're, you know, we can just leave this here. Okay. Um, a dog skin is thinner than thinner. The, yeah. Than a human. Um, it says the epidermis of a dog is only three to five cells thick, while in humans it is at least ten to fifteen cells thick. Well, that's interesting because my whole point was dogs have less layers. I gave him the shot; he passed out eventually, and then I just did this Frankenstein hack job sewing him up. But it it was almost impossible to push the needle through the skin. It was oh, really yes. It was really surprising. I was just like like pushing as hard as I could. Like God dang, and it must be you know thinner, but a different you know a different composition to sure. where it's more leathery. Maybe so. Yeah, because I've watched my own self be stitched up, and it didn't seem like it was that difficult for the for the doctor. You know, so I don't know. Maybe this it's a totally different thing. Yeah, but uh, yeah, that was I, I stitched him up enough to just keep the wound closed until the next morning. I took him to the vet, and the vet was like, you know. It's it's not awesome, but you know he lived. So. Yeah, <laughs> and then he did it the right way. But anyway, yeah, that's cool. Anyway, no one cares about that. But still, no, I care about that. So the girls' autopsies showed that Marianne had been stabbed multiple times. Once directly in the heart, her throat had been uh, deeply slashed. Christine had also suffered a blow to the head so severe that her skull was fractured. She had also been stabbed several times. The autopsies also showed that not long before their deaths, Christine had consumed food different than what Marianne had. And so some theorize that the girls had split up at some point in the day and went and did their own thing. They go off on this weird rabbit trail. But to me, one of the girls brought the food in a bag. They already said that the other one had money. I think she just probably stopped in Cronulla or something and just, yeah, got a bite to eat something. Who cares if they had different food? You know, that's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, they're trying to, aren't they trying to figure out if one was separate from the other near the time of the murder. Yes. Yeah, so that's probably where they're going with that. Yeah. But, but I, I don't see I, that's really inconclusive to me to be able to add that up, you know. Yeah, I I just didn't think it was a big deal that they'd eaten different things. I don't think right. they ever split up that day. Yeah. I guess the beaches up there were less crowded. If yeah. That could all happen. Yeah. But you said sand dunes. So, I mean, I guess it could have happened even if there were some people you know, not near, but somewhere around there. I mean, they, it could have happened in block of, you know, someone else's view. 
Yeah. And Wanda Beach was the one, like it said, Cronulla Beach. All the kids are there, everybody. Wanda Beach is kind of where people went to, like, that's where couples went to to do it, and people went to do drugs. And, you know, it wasn't real shady, but it was way more sparse. Sure. And also, I'm thinking, uh, because I was wondering, too, like, how did no one hear the girls screaming? They did say it was a super, super windy day. Plus, you, so you got the wind. That wind just kind of kill. yeah. You got the beach crashing. Yeah. You got the dunes that are high. Sure. I mean, it's not hard to imagine you couldn't hear them. You know, we've went on a few beach vacations, but I, I just, it's not really my cup of tea. I don't, it's just loud and, you know, sand gets all over you, the, 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 the salt from, it's just not calm and it's just, it's kind of crazy and you're like kind of having to yell to talk to your family if it's, and it seems like it's always windy. Yeah. So it's not really my thing. I mean, I'll I'll still go here and there, but it's not like I'm dying to go. I you know that's funny. I totally agree. My wife and I, you know, after we got married, we spent a week in Oahu, mm-hmm. and we were on the beach a lot. But since then, I have a better time if we just go get a cabin in mm-hmm. the woods. Yeah, outside the I'd rather go to the mountains. I agree. Yeah, or, the, yeah, or yeah. Woods. I just don't get the mentality behind it. Of course, given my situation, it's like let's sit in this hot ass sand and get <laughs> melanoma. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I could see that where you would be like, no, thank you. You know? Yeah. I like it in the evening and, and it calms down a little bit sometimes and the sun sets and that's that's awesome. But the middle of the day, uh, yeah, no, not for me. Mm-mm. Yeah. So we all agree that's cool. Yeah, we're all mountain people. Yep. Yeah. Mountain folk. That's where the Bigfoot is. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Hell yeah. Get James back. <laughs> so yeah, it doesn't matter that to me anywhere to us that they had different food um, I, I just think they had brought different food sure. or whatever. yeah probably uh now something else that was interesting though christine's body when they did the blood test it had a 0.015 blood alcohol level and uh, i don't think that's anywhere near impairment levels i think that's pretty low um from what i read it they they thought that either she had a couple drinks early on the day she died or maybe before you know maybe the night before but I don't know how that. What was that number again? Point zero one five. So yeah, maybe. What do you got? I don't. I don't think that's impairment level at all. Um, I've got zero point two for needs assistance in walking, total mental confusion, dysphoria. So point two is that, and point she was two at, five is alcohol poisoning. Oh Jesus! And she was at point. She wasn't even at point one. No. She was at point zero one five. So yeah. yeah, you could drink like half a Heineken, and you'd probably have that. Yeah, I mean, even a 15-year-old girl, I don't think, would be tipsy with that. I don't think it matters. No. One surprising fact is that despite both girls' garments being cut and the fact that there was semen at the scene, the autopsies showed that neither girl had been sexually assaulted. So that is confusing and interesting at the same time. Yeah. That so is. Yeah. Isn't it? Like, very strange. I mean, it could have been a BTK type thing. Like, Dennis Rader did not assault... You know, I mean, he killed people. So he didn't sexually assault any of his victims. He would pleasure himself at the scene, like after he killed them and stuff like that. But as far as I remember, he never actually did anything, you know, any anything sexual to the to the people. Hmm. So maybe it was a deal like that. I don't know. I don't know. And if you're looking for a band name, Semen at the Scene, I doubt is taken. <laughs> That's some, those guys rock. Have you guys heard the new Semen at the Scene album? Semen scene it's got a flow to it oh <laughs> let's not be so salty <laughs> yes 
That's a good place to end. That's a good place to end this one. This yes. is going to be a two-parter. Yes, it is. <laughs> so, uh, any final parting words? Um, no, I got nothing. Great climax, Ivan. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Sam, for allowing us to be in Redbeard Studios one more time. Always. And uh, we will catch you next week on The Wanda Beach Murders Part 2. Yes. Talk to you guys later.